Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Well, we finally heard from John Schneider, Bump. I mean, we had heard from him like once or twice earlier this offseason, but we had the debut of the John Schneider Show on our airwaves, Seattle Sports, 710 a.m. This one was with Wyman and Bob. He's going to join them every single Thursday at 4 p.m. I don't know that we learned anything about the draft, though that's not surprising because John Schneider was not about to come on here and be like, here's what I'm thinking at five. Nah, I ain't going to tell you that. Let me lay this out. <laughs> like, how much how much is he going to reveal? You know, not very much. No, this is nothing. his job. But one thing is for sure, you're going to have an interesting conversation. Yes. I mean, if you've ever had the chance to be around Schneider or talk to him, um, there's never a dull moment. And he'll he'll keep it funky. And that it was. It was still a really interesting conversation. I found that like the theme of this very first interview that he had with Wyman and Bob for the John Schneider show was more of like, here's the life of a GM. Kind of like, here's where I'm coming to you from. You know what I mean? Like, here's my background. And it was still really interesting. Like, if you're a football fan in general, a Seahawks fan, as many of you are, like, it's still an interesting story to you. So I will say he did talk about one thing uh, that's pressing, which is the situation with Geno Smith. He was asked where they stand right now with Geno. This isn't like, you know, because we you can't sign people until, uh, you know, free agency doesn't start until, what, middle of March. So, you, yeah. you know, there's a huge period here where we have time to, you know, work through things. And where are we with Geno? Yeah, uh, you know, good talk so far. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're in it. We're just trying to, you know, figure out what's best. We're in it. I mean, it sounds to me like uh, it's not hostile, but they haven't agreed on anything. No, nah, we're in the they mix. can't right now. No, nah, they're, you know, they know that they have or they think they have priority over Geno Smith. They brought him in, re-signed him, gave him an opportunity and loved him up. So, yeah, they're in the fight. They're in the mix. But money talks. So we'll see who else is going to get into this mix as well. Exactly. Um he also talked just in general about um, what he feels Pete Carroll's strengths are, uh, what it's like being a GM, what life as a GM has been like for him. I thought these parts of the conversation were really interesting. So let's get started. He talks about keeping a draft journal every year since he got started. At that point is when I really started keeping a journal and, uh, you know, writing down all the lessons about, you know, certain situations. I remember writing about. Uh, Kellen Winslow when he was in his uh, motorcycle accident, you know, with Cleveland and how would I handle it? And, you know, what would you say publicly and how would you handle it in-house and how do you try to protect him and help him and everything like that? So I remember starting at at that point. Yeah, yeah. uh, The biggest bummer was that uh, the first year Pete and I were together, I had my car broken into and they took my laptop and, and my, my journal. So wow. um, they found a laptop at a crack house in, in Olympia, um, but I didn't get my journal back. Just casually throwing that in there. I think he's serious. Wow. I think he's serious. <laughs> that they, they Someone broke into my car and took my journal and my laptop, and thankfully they found the laptop. I hope that the person who took it does not understand that it's like the journal of a GM, and they're like, what is this stupid diary? If they found it where he said they found it, I'm sure they're not concerned about exactly the content that's in that thing but uh no that's honestly a lot of the books that i read and people that i I follow and admire they're always jotting down notes they're always 
thinking of ways to get better and, and view things for different perspectives and what did you learn or not. So it doesn't surprise me that that's what Schneider does, man. And uh, that journal is going to come in handy this draft, man. Yeah, well, the, the journal he has now, not the has one that now. was, uh, yeah. you know, maybe in the crack house. I don't know where that one <laughs> ended up. Um, it's uh, It's really, really interesting to hear just kind of like, not only, hey, the way – so he talked about – and um, I'm going to jump to a different clip, so I'm not going to play you sound on this. I'll just tell you what he said. But he talked about how weird it is being a GM versus a head coach. And he's like, when you're a head coach, um, yeah, like head coaches and play callers, like you want to keep your play is secret and, and uh, you know, you're in it for yourself and it's competition. But it's significantly less close to the vest and much more of a brotherhood than is being a GM. So when you're a coach, you're thrown into it, but they have coaching clinics. Um, You have like a big network often. You're from a coaching tree, right? There are other guys who can help you. When you're a GM, it's like, hey, uh, good luck. (laughs) Have fun. And you're sitting there like, well, what do do I do? What do I do now? I feel like you rely more on retired folks when you're a GM. Guys who have been there, who have done that, who have no real um, competitive interest in the whole deal. You rely on them. But you're right. As a head coach, I mean, you know s- several people on every staff. You come from somewhere. Pete Carroll has a coaching tree. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. What, Gus Bradley? You got Dan mm-hmm. Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Dave Canales now. You're always going to be connected to someone, and you're going to be more willing to talk about scheme. Not not, not super in-depth, but you're more likely to talk about scheme and how you handle things. The one thing that intrigues me the most about coaches – them trying to hide things and not give up too much information is that you can just watch the film and the film's going to tell you everything you need to right. know. Now the tricks are the intricacies like, okay, where exactly do you want this right foot? Where do you want this left hand? Um, that's where the details come in. But I always laugh when coaches try to hide things when it's like, bro, I can turn on the film and watch and, and see what's going on. But yeah, you're right. GM, you are solo. You are by yourself. You're making decisions. And you got to have a certain personality to enjoy that, exactly. honestly. Exactly. The 206, that crackhead won his fantasy league that year. I mean, maybe. Who can say? <laughs> Who can say? Uh, John Schneider also talked about, um, you know, part of being a GM is understanding that plan A, plan B, plan C may not actually happen. So you have to be really, really flexible and process multiple scenarios at the same time. You know, at this point last year, Russell Wilson was our quarterback, you know, and, uh, you know, all the push, you know, the trade stuff and all that, like, hadn't happened yet and then you know now we started getting into all this and you know there was all you know a lot of talk and then we headed down a road so yeah you have to be ready for yeah a b c and the the cool thing about working with pete is he's very pliable like he he can his mind is like i know you guys have been here before he's he can you know he's he can just he can he can just keep going and he can accept all the information so you can you can literally say to him you know i've worked with people that that, they can't do that they Mm -hmm. their mind doesn't work as quickly as his does and, 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 and they don't process the information or as quickly or um, they're not open to all the different scenarios because they have to fix something, you know, in, in a specific order. Look, not only you're going to have a wrench thrown into your plans occasionally, draft a guy who doesn't work out, draft a guy who gets injured, uh, make a trade that, you know, uh, falls flat, whatever it is. You also got to recognize that, like, hey, uh, at number five, I might have an idea who might be available, but maybe there's a run on uh, – there won't be. But maybe there's a run on linebackers and that guy's not available, right? Um, 
obviously this is an example. There's not going to be a run at linebackers in one through four, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I hope uh, so. Yeah, yeah that would be one great. Four, I ahead. love that. Yeah. All linebackers. <laughs> um, but uh, I say that in that at, at all times, John Schneider needs to think, how do I get to the Super Bowl? How do I get this team to a Super Bowl while recognizing that he's got to be able to take multiple roads there? Yeah, you don't, you don't get too caught up in this is what I want to happen. Of course, you have an idea, especially when you're the number five pick. You have an idea of what could happen. You can break down scenarios, but you always have to be ready to make a move. I plan my trip with my family all the time. Out the house by 3 o'clock, y'all. We need to be on 90 by 345. We are not stopping until we get to Othello. We stopped before Othello. <laughs> not only that, you were not on the freeway. Not on the freeway. We weren't where we were supposed to be. You got to be able to adjust, okay? And that's what Schneider and Pete Carroll have to do. But I really like that the scenarios are are limited now with that number five pick, even more than last year with number nine. It's limited. You have – I got three scenarios in my head that I think can go down and how the Seahawks could prepare for it. I'm sure they are ready to go. I wish I could be in that draft room and look at that big old white board yeah. and see all the movement that's going down. Um, that's where this guy makes his money. This is where he shines, honestly. That's why we got the Schneider Show right now. For 10 weeks, you're going to be able to listen to the GM of the Seattle Seahawks talk through his process um, with limitations, but it's going to be interesting. And it's going to be really interesting, and I'm glad you mentioned that it's going to be for 10 weeks because one of those shows is going to be on Thursday, April 27th, the day of the draft. Day one, round one, Seahawks are going to be on the board at 5. John Schneider is going to be on with Wyman and Bob earlier that afternoon. Um, not even earlier that afternoon, like less uh, less than two hours before the draft. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I wanted to jump to uh, two stories that interested me to start the day. One about John Schneider, of course, the John Schneider Show available on the Wyman and Bob podcast right now. You can take a listen to that. But not yet. Stick with us because I got one more story I want to talk about. It's, you're going to get to it a bit more in four down territory. We don't need to spend too much time. But check this out. Dean Blandino says the NFL's competition committee could regulate quarterback sneaks. Why does that matter? Because the Eagles did it so incredibly well in 2022 that we could see an actual change to the rule. Um, so what they're looking at is it's not quite a hole or a loophole in uh, in quarterback sneaks. It's just something that's perfectly legal since 2005. In fact, you're allowed to push your quarterback forward. You just can't pull him. So the Eagles would do what the rest of the league is called a tush push. You have two, maybe three players behind Jalen Hurts, one on each cheek, and you offer assistance to push Hurts forward. Hertz converted 36 of 40 quarterback sneaks this season. Six of 10 uh, rushing first downs were quarterback sneaks in the Super Bowl. Again, it's been legal since 2005 and college since 2013, but no one's done this. And bump, now that the Eagles are figuring it out, the rest of the league said, wait, 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 wait. We didn't realize you guys were going to do it like that. That doesn't look that great. We don't love it. We're going to go ahead and ban that. Man. We don't know that they will, well, but Dean Blandino says. You know what you got to ban then? You got to ban shovel passes. You have to ban uh, jet sweeps. I mean, these are things that happen all the time. And I understand the concern, if there is a concern from the NFL about the success rate of this. But it's almost like you're you're penalizing the Eagles for being really good at something. And you always try to get a competitive edge on people. And if I'm a defensive guy, how do you combat that? Now, it's hard. 
They got the leverage. It's easier going forward than going backwards. That's what the defense defense gets pushed. They get going backwards, and you're getting a little touch push from your guys behind you. But I think you have to give it a few more years. This one year where Philly was really good at it. Let somebody else try to do it. I'm going to talk about a coach who says he's going to do it until the wheels fall off, mm-hmm. until they say they can't do it anymore. One year isn't enough. I think you got to see multiple teams doing it and then have it just be such an unfair advantage that something has to be done because you're really concerned about the defense. Like, how does it affect? the defense. If it's a play that no matter what, the defense just cannot stop, then I think there's some concern. But because there's only one team yeah. that's really good at it, I don't I think believe, it's time yet. And I can't believe that they've been good at it all year long and no other team has tried to do it. It's just it's like just Philly that's been doing it so successfully. And by that, I mean 36 of 40 over the course of the season. This is interesting from Blandino. He said, it amounts to a rugby scrum. The NFL wants to showcase the athleticism and skill of our athletes. It's just not a skillful play. It's just a tactic that's not an aesthetically pleasing play. And I think the competition committee is going to take a look at it. Where does football it. come from? The trenches. Comes from Rugby. 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 It's part of the game. That's what I appreciate it, too. I'm just killing my four down, by the way, guys. You're going to hear no, this information you're again. Get, we're still an hour um, plus away. That's what I that's that's one of the things that keeps it attractive to me is because it takes you back through history, right? Football history. This is how the game first started. It was slow. It wasn't pleasing. There was a lot of running, a lot of grunting and pushing. This takes me back. So the older I get, the more I appreciate the history of the NFL. And when I see that play, I'm like, yeah, that's rugby. That's the, the origins of football right there. That is still in today's game, exactly. which is kind of cool. Well, and to me, it's just so blatantly saying, like, we just want teams to be able to, every team could be the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. We would love every team to be able to pass it at all times or, like, maybe you run the ball, but without assistance from the rest of your teammates. Like, the league should be a place where you can be creative and what about being able to do this so successfully is suddenly really boring? I mean, it's not like the Eagles were a bad team that just found a loophole in one rule. They were a great team who did something really, really well. So well, in fact, that other teams could barely stop them. And I understand, going back to your point, where if it's something no one can stop, all of a sudden it becomes a predictable play and the NFL doesn't want anything to be mm-hmm. too predictable, right? That's yeah. why you stay glued to your TV screen. But it's... uh I don't like the idea. I just I don't like the angle of it's not aesthetically pleasing. Um, two five three BS is dangerous. Lyman's heads are down. It's rugby. It's not football. Football is dangerous. That's the name of the game. Football is dangerous, and it is football, and it is rugby because football comes from rugby. That's the origins of the game. You might as well just say that it's old school. I don't want it in the game because it definitely is football. Football is all about leverage, especially in the trenches. It's all about leverage. The lowest man wins. Get lower. And um, there's only one team really good at it. Like, yeah. let, let somebody else get good at it before you ban it. Exactly. And I mean, again, there are other teams that do it all the time. Just no one with the efficiency and uh, and frequency to which Philadelphia did it in 2022. But obviously, if they keep it, it's going to change. We'll see if other teams can be as successful. But I, it, it's football, man. You know what I want to hear? I wish there was – I wish – all 22 guys were mic'd up during one of those QB yeah. sneaks. You hear all the grunting and yelling and stuff that goes down. I miss I miss the sounds of a football game. All right. Well, uh, we are going to talk about uh, some more football here, in this case, free agency, coming up at 30 after. Right now, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. <laughs> 
Bumpy said you missed the sounds of football. If I well, got well, good well. news for you, it's the relaunch of the XFL Woo! this Let's weekend. Go. The Sea Dragons, your Sea Dragons, open their season against the D.C. Defenders on Sunday. What's the real headline? Shout out to all my XFL heads out there who remember when they were just called the Dragons. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back us, in the us day. Us real ones know. Yeah. The, the, uh... The old heads out there remember when years and years and years and years and years ago. Hey, you go pull out your throwback jerseys. You know, your throwback sweaters. (laughs) Support the squad, (laughs) baby. Throwback from 2020. (laughs) Bring them throwbacks out, man. (laughs) Oh, I... Uh, I actually had a lot of fun at those games, and I'm sure the new ones will be very interesting. Some former NFL players on XFL rosters this weekend. Obviously, you have wide receiver Josh Gordon here in Seattle. Former Saints head coach uh, Jim Haslett is also going to be coaching the Sea Dragons. Here's who else you got. Quarterback Paxton Lynch with the Orlando Guardians. Preseason legend. Remember when he was with the Seahawks for a split second? Had the game of his life against the Broncos in the preseason. Yeah, he did. Uh, I I get him confused all the time with Brock Osweiler, by the way. I was about That's to say, fair. I was about to say, do you remember when Houston paid him so much money? And then I remember that was Brock Osweiler. Uh, two sides of the same coin. Um, all right. You also got defensive end Vic Beasley with the Vegas Vipers. Quarterback A.J. McCarron with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Wide receiver Martavis Bryant with the Vegas Vipers as well. Heinz Ward is coaching San Antonio. Wade Phillips coaching for Houston. Rod Woodson coaching for Vegas. Uh, also some cool rules, Bump, that I know you're very excited for. I'm excited for football. I'm excited for the XFL. Tuning in on Sunday? I'm tuning in for show. Yeah. Does I'm tuning it, in. Does it make you feel older? Which of the following things makes you feel older? When players you watched their sons are in the combine or being drafted, or when players you watched are coaching teams? Coaching. Yeah. Coaching. When players I watch are coaching. Heinz Ward was... That's exactly who I had in mind. I mean, I look at him. I, I remember when I was in uh, high school, my coach used to tell me, we need you blocking like Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward was a dirty blocker out there. He blindsided you. Never wore a mouthpiece. You saw a smile all the time. Yeah, both make me feel old. But watching uh, these coaches who used to play coach, yeah. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, the Kraken got back on the winning side last night by blowing out the Flyers 6-2. to two. What's the real headline? Tough news for Philly to lose twice in the same week. Now, this is exactly what the Kraken needed to do. We talked with Andy Ayad on Wednesday, just as we do every single Wednesday. And he said, look, uh, scoring depth has been a strength of this team. And yet exactly when they need it the most, when their leading scorer, Andre Burakovsky, is out, is when they also had a dry, a dry spell for some of those other guys, right? Matty Beniers, who did miss some time, admittedly. But then you had Yanni Gord, who had a little bit of a dry spell. Finally, you bring the offense again. I'm still convinced in my mind, mostly out of optimism and, and having told myself already that this is a playoff team. Oh, by the way, John Buchigross, though, Bucci man, Bucci uh, literally tweeted earlier today that the C, uh, that the Kraken are going uh, to the playoffs. He's absolutely convinced. ESPN right. Plus game is going to be on the 7th. I like it, Bucci. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. This is what the Kraken needed. First, get out to a fast start. They scored their first goal in, what, three minutes. McCann gets his 26. Needed cast support. You mentioned Yanni. Yanni gets in the makes a clapper by Justin Schultz and then he had two goals and three power plays a shorthanded goal they did everything that they needed to do this is one of those get right games get me back up games we appreciate your services Flyers cracking way to get her done coming up on the timeline we've got some great sound from Flyers head coach John Tortorella Kraken had him down bad after last night it's great Uh, next headline 
Headline rewrites. Headline number three, Shohei Otani refused to answer questions about his impending free agency on his first day in Angels camp. What's the real headline? Because Shohei doesn't want to be here. (laughs) That's the real headline. Shohei does not want to be here. Now, the Angels are also doing something really interesting with their starters. I need to look back into it, but essentially it's going to result in Shohei Otani more often than not getting a start on five days rest as opposed to six. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see this? So not Mm -hmm. only in his final year, is he probably already on the fence about whether or not he's going to stay there or explore other options as a free agent. Hey, Shohei, come to Seattle. But also, uh, he's going to be pitching on less rest. My man's tired of losing. AL runner-up for the MVP in 2022. 34 bombs. He's 28 years old. He's in his prime. He does not want to waste this thing. These guys haven't seen the playoffs as what. 2014. And here's the advantage of Otani having an interpreter. He can dance around these questions. Sometimes when I'm sitting with my wife, I wish I had an interpreter. I didn't speak a different language. So I can just dance around some questions that she's asking me. He can keep it nice and simple, but that's how you do it. You don't want to give everyone material. It's clear he doesn't want to be here. Be there. He shouldn't be there. Yeah, what would you have your interpreter for? Would it be like she asks you... I don't agree to do the dishes today. Could you please uh, communicate that? Would it be like that where she's like... uh, Hey, what do you think of uh, this outfit? Mine would be, why did it take you six hours to play golf today instead of four? Oh, and then you got to figure out how your interpreter can spin it. Be like, yeah, um, there were a couple kids on the golf course. It was was moving slow out there. We had a sandwich at the turn and then have my interpreter do it in the most basic form. Yeah. You know, and, and we're good. And meanwhile, you, what you would say without the interpreter is. Interpreter is. I don't know, baby. Just be like that sometimes out on the golf course. That's <laughs> that, not good that enough. That 19th hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, really covering our bases today. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times is going to join us from Peoria at 11. We're going to ask him uh, not just about the new rules. We've been talking about those a lot, though. So we are going to, I think, spend a little more time on the actual roster. Right. Touching on the new rules a little bit. But because we've got some great interviews already, including one with ESPN's Jesse Rogers, who had a feature about the new rules on ESPN. Go listen to the Bump and Stacy podcast for that interview with Jesse. We're going to talk more about the team itself in this one. Um, that's coming up at 11. At 1045, Adam Silver revealed something the NBA does. Very interesting. I don't think any other league is doing it right now. Uh, it's not play basketball. It's something else. Uh, but I don't mm. think any other league is doing it. And I wonder if they should be. Bump, I can't wait to read you this story because I think you're going to get pretty fired up before then, though. If money was no object... Who are you signing for the Seahawks? Our dream free agent fits next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. All right, you are listening to Bump and Stacy talking Seahawks free agency, covering our bases today, going um, spring training with Ryan Divish at 11. Uh, we're going to talk XFL, NFL later in the show, uh, get to some fun uh, cracking stories in the timeline. Before we get to any of that, though, we're going to continue with our free agency conversation. Bump, if money was no object, who are you signing for the Seahawks? I got a couple ideas, but why don't you tell me one of yours? First guy I'm looking at, I'm looking at the big boys. I'm going with Javon Hargrave, man. This guy was a pro bowler in 2021 with seven and a half sacks, was not a pro bowler this year. 
with 11 sacks. Crazy. Weird. And 10 TFLs. He's 30 years old since 2020. He has a 92.2 pass rush rate. He's 18.8% pass rush win rate, which is third in the league behind guys like Aaron Donald. Another thing I like about this guy, he played in Pittsburgh in a 3-4, and he's played in Philly in a 4-3. So he's had different type of roles. He's rushed the passer, been like a rush guy, and he's also been a run stopper. He can do whatever you want him to do. He's violent. He's big. He's strong. If money was not an option, I'd live in La Jolla. And I'd have Hargrave on my team. Okay, well, those are two very important things. I would live in San Diego, and I would also have Hargrave on my team. Again, 23 sacks in three seasons. Here's the deal. Money is a thing, so with a lot of these guys, I'm going to try to find the market values uh, where I can. This um, Most of them are going to be from SpotTrack, but $20.1 million average annual value. That mm. doesn't mean a $20 million cap hit in 2023, although it does mean that he'll be one of the most expensive players on your roster and probably the most expensive if you don't end up bringing back Geno Smith, the quarterback. So just something to consider there. Um, Yeah, I love Javon Hargrave. I I think it's so important that this team, when we did like a what's your move as a segment, when we talked about the defensive line, we decided that the move for the Seahawks would have to be to add both with the draft where we'd love to see even the first two picks used on the defensive Mm -hmm. line. Or maybe you get an outside linebacker in there and it's inside linebacker, whatever you do. But like we would love to see the first pick used on a defensive lineman. Uh, and then also a free agent signing used, outside free agent signing used on a defensive lineman. You just need a lot of help there. And Javon Hargrave, I think for both of us, would be a number one pick. Two things. One is um, like a X's and O's question. And one is breaking the rules of my segment. <laughs> number one, X's and O's question. <laughs> you mentioned he's played in both a 4-3 and a 3-4. Were he to come to Seattle in their 3-4, is he more like that outside linebacker or is he more like a defensive tackle uh, that's just up there on the line? No, nah, he's a tackle all day. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a big boy over there. And when you're in that when you're in that 3-4 like you see with the Seattle Seahawks, most of the time you're going to have four guys on the line of scrimmage. That just means one linebacker is going to walk down and rush the quarterback. When you're in that 4-3, um, you got another big boy on the side of you, a guy who's just designated to get after the quarterback, a Nick Bosa type of guy. Um, so it, it changes the feel of things for him. But um, like I mentioned, he can do whatever you ask him to do. He he can take a tackle on one-on-one and try to get inside. I even seen him moved inside in the 3-4 one time and be that that nose, that two-gap type of deal. That's what makes him so attractive to me is that he's versatile and he has a history of showing that he can play multiple type of defenses yeah. and have multiple type of roles and have success doing whatever this defense asks him to do. I mean, that's what you need. I mean, you want guys who, as my homie Big Ray would say, has PhDs, at their position. I'm looking at him, and he is a, as Stacy is, a double major. I mean, double major. A double major. I mean, I didn't know La Jolla was in San Diego, but I'm not from California, so I it's only know the big names. It's just like Culver City's in Los yeah, Angeles. I can, you name know, you, I can name you six places in California, and then I then I tap out. You're good. It's probably yeah. a good six stuff. Is it like the really expensive part of San Diego? Super expensive, yeah. All of San Diego is pretty expensive, though, right? Facts. Let me get to my second question, which broke the rules of the segment. Uh, the rule of the segment was, if money was no object, who would you bring in? Both of us as our number one pick had Javon Hargrave. Money is an object. Can the Seahawks afford, theoretically, Javon Hargrave? Theoretically, can they afford this man? Theoretically, yeah, yeah. But twenty million is what he's probably going to be asking for. They have thirty-one right now. Thirty-one. They're going to make some moves. They're going to enter when free agency starts. They'll have more than thirty-one. 
at least to start, because then you're gonna you're gonna have to pay Gino, see what if he takes an offer, and then you're gonna have to maneuver. Theoretically, can they do it? But I think it limits what mm-hmm. they're gonna be able to do to mm-hmm. surround him with some guys. And you still, in my opinion, you still need an interior offensive lineman as well. I broke yes. down a couple options a couple of days ago. You have uh, Travis Kelsey is on my wish list. You got Bradbury over there with uh, the Vikings right now, and then the dude Will Hernandez, a guard over there with the Arizona Arizona Cardinals, who I like as well. You have to be able to get a big name, get a guy who you feel like is going to produce, and then add some sprinkles. You know, I had t- I told you last night I had like two cupcakes. I feel like crap right now, right? Mm-hmm. The cupcake was good. All right. <laughs> Hargrave would be Hargrave would be the cupcake, and then you need some sprinkles around the cupcake. Okay, I have my two other answers for if money was no object, who would I sign? Um, uh, neither are positions on defense, which we focused on so much. First, uh, I'd add to that running back room. If money was no object, I would sign Josh Jacobs. Mm. Now, this is not going to happen. That's a big uh, wish right there. Th- that's a huge wish. Josh Jacobs has said that he's already purchased a house in Vegas because he wants to stay with the Raiders. So I don't know that any other team is getting Josh Jacobs. He really wants to stay with Vegas. Although he's also said with Vegas, he would be fine with them using the franchise tag so long as they continue to add some talent. Basically, yeah. Josh Jacobs was like, don't franchise tag me and then waste me. I'm a running back. I got, I'm, tw- I'm 25. I'm like, I'm already inching towards the end of my prime here Three as a running years, back. Three more years, man. That's the thing. So if you're going to franchise tag me, you better add an offensive lineman. You better get some defensive guys in here. You better find the right quarterback. Um, and I, I hope that that happens for him because I like Josh Jacobs. I would love Josh Jacobs in Seattle. There's going to be some other teams competing for him. Sean Payton for the Broncos actually was asked about Josh Jacobs and said he might be someone we explore. So there are other teams. He will be one of the top sought after running backs. Seattle is not going to be able to bring him in with all the other priorities they have. But oh my God, Bump, if money was no object, would I want this signing? Oh, Josh Jacobs. He does a, a little bit of everything, man. He, he came, it didn't come out of nowhere, but obviously this was his best year as a pro over there with the Las Vegas Raiders. Before I get into to who he is as a player, let me also point out that buying a home in Nevada is pretty smart right now because the value is just going to go up. I've been looking at homes for two years in Nevada. You go ahead and purchase that home, you will be okay. But this guy averages 4.9 per carry. He had 12 touchdowns, and I think that he can get even more involved in the pass game. 53 receptions for 400 yards. He does a little bit of everything. He was like a sneaky, really good running back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you got your usual suspects. You have Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. Miles Sanders is, is in there. But he led all running backs with 1,653 yards. He's a guy that you need on your team. He's a guy that you need on your team to attract a veteran quarterback to Las Vegas, too. Yep. Uh, I've got one more if money was no object. I'll be quick with this one. Just in case. Do you have one more? Uh, no, I don't. Shout out to Chula Vista, though, 206. No, I, oh, I don't have another I've one. also been told that I don't clearly don't know a lot about California because if I did, I wouldn't have gone to Sacramento for spring break. Yeah, you guys, I told you that. Why didn't anyone <laughs> warn me that Sacramento was like in North California and was basically Oregon? I thought Sacramento, I thought I was going to be laying on the beach all day in the sun. It's the heart of government in California. <laughs> I didn't know that. I went there and it was just concrete in a Starbucks. No one warned me and I took a Greyhound. Whatever, I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> if money was no object, I have an absurd signing, and you guys are going to make fun of me for this. Oh, okay. what gonna, position? I mean, we make what fun position? of No, listen, lot, listen, listen. Give me you a position. Gonna, Let no me try to guess. Quarterback. Lamar Jackson. Derek Carr. Okay, you're closer. Lamar Jackson, obviously, if money was no object, I would love to have here in Seattle. However, this is what I was thinking. 
If money was no object and you decided to stick with Gino, what I would love to see the Seahawks do is bring back Gino, bring back Drew, and then sign on a veteran like a Derek Carr, even the Sam Darnold. Like someone where it's like you don't have money to use on another veteran who's going to be a, quote, mid-tier starter. But I sure wish they would because if you weren't going to go out and get a franchise guy in the draft or trade for a franchise guy like Lamar, I want you to have two maybe guys. (laughs) Two and, maybe. And a lot of quarterbacks. That's sure a is. lot of quarterbacks. You don't have enough money to be able to do that. But, like, if you can end up being competitive in 2023, I don't want this team to ever run into the situation that San Francisco did, which is you're like, we don't have anyone. Yeah. I, I would be mad now, at that. Because be here's the thing. When you have no, when money is no object, you can waste money. That's what this would be. It would be wasting money. Definitely be wasting money because you're going to have to pay Derek Carr a nice little penny. You're going to have two quarterbacks on your on your roster taking up about 75 to 80 million dollars. Exactly. And at that point just go get Lamar, but I'm I'm talking as though like money is no object and you're like, "Okay, let's get an emergency kit for the car." Okay. If money's no object as well, I am well, he's not a free agent, but they might be trying to get rid of him because he's going to be about 20 mil. Cap hit is uh, D uh, Hopkins. I go get D Hopkins. Oh. Pair him up with DK, put Lockett in the slot, move some things around. That'd be nice. I think it's interesting that outside of Javon Hargrave, all of our answers for if money was no object were on offense. Yeah. I think it's because we know where they have to invest and we know how good the offense could be if they had like one or two superstars. Okay, I'll give another money no object, Jalen Ramsey. I'd take him at a corner spot. You don't really necessarily need him, but I'd take him. Levante yeah. David. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds. I would love Levante David here. Man. I think they've got some real questions at linebacker. I'm very, very concerned about linebacker, and I think it will become, especially if they don't make many moves, more apparent for us as, as, uh, as spring training, as training camp progresses. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're going to bring back Cody Barton, and people are going to be like, why'd you bring back Cody Barton? And we'll have to say, because you have so many other areas on defense you got to address. But <sighs> Cody God. Barton came up. Jordan Brooks he getting did. hurt. Now, I know he doesn't wish that, but I him know, getting hurt, but it Cody was good Barton for Cody Barton. Uh, all right. Adam Silver said the NBA is doing something that I just know. I know without a doubt you guys want to see other leagues do this. I'll tell you what it is next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Adam Silver said the NBA is doing something. And the second I saw this, I thought I am just waiting to hear from one Michael Bumpus because I know Bump, I know you, Curtis, I know everyone listening is thinking, why doesn't every league do that? Like, what What are we doing? Everyone should do this. And maybe they do, but if other leagues are doing it, I don't know about it. Um, so this stems from uh, an incident that happened. LeBron James was fouled in the closing seconds of a tie game between the Lakers and Celtics uh, back at the end of January. The foul wasn't called. Boston goes on to win in overtime. And there was a huge amount of controversy after this. The NBA Referees Union then posted an apology the next day on the 29th on its uh, Twitter account saying like, hey, we got the call wrong. Our bad. Okay, cool. Like this kind of thing happens. We've seen this not quite uh, as much accountability taken in other leagues, but we have all seen bad calls made or fouls missed uh, in any number of leagues. So Adam Silver on Friday uh, had an interview with uh, Sage Steele on SportsCenter and said this. They are absolutely held accountable. Um, We we don't publicize um, discipline for officials, we don't think that would be appropriate, but their assignments are affected by the quality of their calls, um, whether or not they progress into the playoffs and then round by round is impacted by the accuracy of their calls and their demeanor on the floor. So there is a system for um, overseeing and, and making those judgments about our officials. That's right. 
The NBA has a disciplinary system for when refs make mistakes, and that includes no calls. Just when refs make mistakes, it's not like a, hey, you're in timeout, based on what Silver says. It's like, hey, the more errors you have, the fewer opportunities you get. And this is how it is everywhere, Bump. Like when I worked in retail sales, you sell more, you get more peak hours. Mm -hmm. You don't sell as much, you don't get as much. Why would you ever put someone less qualified or not as good at their job in these really important situations. I think the NBA looked at it and said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let's not do that. So before I praise the NBA, mm -hmm. I got to ask him a question. You publicly announce when players get fined oh, of course. for their mistakes. Mm -hmm. Why do we treat these referees like they're not human beings? Like they're not out there on the court. People don't see them. Like if they get fined, go ahead and put it out there. They got, they got fined too. Okay. Now I praise the NBA. Yeah. Because what does being fined does? It makes a person correct their behavior, be conscious of that behavior, because they're like, I don't want to lose 20 bands for doing this action right here. So I appreciate that the NBA does that, because it it reinforces or it makes you change your behavior, and that's all we're asking. It makes you pay a little bit more attention to what you're doing. It makes you care a bit more. If referees, guys who are controlling this game, are allowed to float around and make mistakes and run off the field, go to a pub, talk about how they jacked this game up, and they're not held accountable, why would they change the way they do things? That's all I'm saying. If I got fined for doing something on a football field, especially when I was a undrafted free agent, yeah. Man, there was a fine uh, one of my boys got for like 50K. I forgot what it was. We were on the same pay grade. I'm like, that's too much money. I should, if for some. That's free, a lot for an undrafted, for undrafted guy. He got fined $50,000. $50,000. And we're only getting a. Not and this only. is in like 2008. I'm not, I'm not wow. saying only because this is a lot of money in real life, but yeah. the football is not a lot of money. We're only getting paid like 475 Yeah. You know, you're taking 50 bands wow. from them. That's a lot of money. So, yes. Adam Silver, I appreciate you holding these referees accountable, forcing them to change their action and just care a bit more, or just brushing up on some stuff. You know what I'm saying? NFL, all bad. Someone said, oh, my God, all the major leagues do the same thing. I haven't heard about other major um, leagues doing it exactly this way. So if you know something nope. I don't. Tell send me about me, the NFL. Send, yeah, send me an article. I mean, we just heard Roger Goodell say officiating is like it's never been before. Like, yes, we know in MLB they have, like, ref scorecards, okay, where we can see the accuracy. But the ref or the um, umpire union in MLB is so incredibly strong. Like, you don't <laughs> – there's – there is not the same level of accountability for umps, for refs, or whatever as there is for players. I will push back with this, though. Should there be? Because these are two different jobs. The ultimate job of a player is to win that day. The ultimate job as a ref is to keep everything fair. Mm -hmm. You never want to... You never want to de-incentivize a ref from making what they think might be the right call. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, So I, I hesitate to say anything about like fining or doing too much because it's like you don't want to make someone say like, oh, I can barely pay rent this week. Maybe I don't make this call because I'm afraid it'll be wrong. I'm okay with the idea of treating it literally like a sales floor job. Yeah. I'm, I think it's blatant missed calls that refs should be fine. It's not for making a call that's wrong because in their eyes – they saw it, right? That's how they saw it. That's how they viewed it. That was their, their point of view. I understand that. You're going to make mistakes. And I don't think that referees should just get fined off of like the first or second or third. Like if there's a history of this guy messing up plays, then you, you start with the, uh, the harsh discipline of fining. Because I do realize that people make mistakes. Athletes make mistakes all the time on the yeah, football field. Yeah, because you don't fine athletes for 
like um you know an incomplete pass you find athletes no. for like getting in a you fight don't with you someone. don't find athletes for a false start you don't find athletes no. for holding at the no. line of scrimmage you don't find athletes for passing interference and mistakes are going to happen it's the the blatant just what the heck are you doing type of calls that happen repeatedly with the same group or person that I think discipline needs to be handed down and it's not discipline like you I discipline my kids all the time it's not because I don't love them it's because I want them to do better. You know what I'm saying? That's what this discipline has to be. It's like, all right, just do better because you're messing up right now. We need to change this behavior. Uh, I was just thinking back to some of like the worst calls from the 2022 season, and I kept going back to uh, that game between the Giants and Commanders. It was uncalled pass interference, which, again, continues to be something that the league just can't figure out. This is the NFL, obviously. Um this was uh, in the final moments. Uh, you had a Giants defender all over Curtis Samuel, and no flag is found. The Giants end up winning, and this changes the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. Like, it ends up changing the playoff race because don't forget it was the Commanders and Giants going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. They end up tying, and then uh, the Giants take the next one, and it kind of settles the race. But it could have been the Commanders in the playoffs and not the Giants. Uh, but one call ends up affecting all of this. Now, again, these are mistakes, not intentional things. Right, like fighting. We hope so. Well, that's oh, Bob. There's not intentional so. things. Sometimes there's just you sometimes there's think? just refs. Like I think of there, Angel Hernandez, where it's like sometimes people just like get away with doing whatever, and they think like, well, whatever. You're telling it's me my there, there's the no ref who got his feelings ever in sports and said, you know what, I'm gonna get him with this one. They're man, they're human beings. Just because they got stripes on, don't mean they don't have feelings. No, and they don't I hold know they have feelings. I just don't people. know how often that happens. It's I don't know hap- that there's... I'm not saying it happens often. To like the Tim Donahue But it's, hap- it's happened, though. Yeah. Most deaf. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Sure. I see it happen. Sure. When I... Psh, man, especially high school. My high school days coaching, me and this ref, I call him John Travolta, we used to get... <laughs> Did he look like John Travolta? He, he just had the, he had the chin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we used to get into it, man. We get into it. He'd make blatant just, I'm just going to get you coach because you are challenging my authority out here uh all right it was it was a very fascinating conversation with adam silver again um that's uh there's an article uh with all that information up on espn right now i just thought it was interesting it's i i don't know how to make more accountability for umpires and refs while also making their jobs them still able to do their jobs because they're different right than players but but um every single year all we can talk about after some of these games is horrible calls. And it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Uh, don't forget, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you in advance. You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Let's head to the Peoria Sports Complex to talk with Ryan Divish next.